A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 84 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. After dissecting our dynasty and prospect rankings over the last month, it's now time to dive headfirst into our 2022 redraft positional previews. We have a ton of exciting guests joining us over these next, uh, you know, three, four weeks or so for all these previews, including today as we kick things off with the improving catcher position. Unfortunately, Chris was not able to make it today, but we still have a full house with a trio of guests or a triple play of guests, as you could say, as the triple play fantasy team has graced us with their presence in the toolship for this episode. First, we have the lead fantasy baseball analyst for triple play fantasy and a member of the triple play fantasy baseball podcast, along with the new prospect show called The Call Up. Marty McFly Tallman joins us. Marty, thanks for coming on. How are you? Eric, number one, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. Um, love the Back to the Future reference. Um, when I served, <laughs> when I served tables uh, through uh, through college, every almost every single table was like, "Oh, like McFly." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So anyway, I'll be taking care of you today. So um, as I was taking care of them, I'll be helping you and dissect the catcher position. So again, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It was the first thing I thought of. Like, anytime I hear the name Marty, it's just, I just think Marty McFly. It's, You're not alone. It's, it's a good reference. reference. I, yeah, you it know. is. Good, good movies. And... Mm-hmm. Good. So, so who, who, in your opinion, if you're Marty McFly, who would be the Doc Brown at Triple Play Fantasy? Art. Art? Okay. Definitely art. <laughs> I, could, I, like, I'll get a, I could see him in the, the white coat getting crazy. He's kind of wild anyway. I could see it. Okay, and I see the uh, the other two guests we have on here, I think, are in agreement there. They both seem to like that. <laughs> uh, so next on here, if there was a draft of Mendelssohn brothers in the fantasy community, this guy would go no lower than number two overall. He is the man behind the Triple Play Fantasy account with an 80-grade first name. Eric Mendelssohn, a.k.a. Doc, is here. What's going on, man? 
Oh, I like that. Uh, Max Merman pick of one, Max pick of two. I like that. Eric, great exactly. name. And, and appreciate you having me on. Really excited to talk catchers today. As am I. It's always fun to talk catchers. It always is. You know, people people like to hate on the catcher position, but it's actually really fun to talk about. And it's funny, whenever I post anything catcher-related, whether it's major leagues or prospects, whatever, I get the most comments of people, like, fighting about rankings when I talk about catchers. It's it's weird. Like, people love to talk about catchers, but they never give it the credit that's due. I feel like they're kind of like the kickers of the NFL. They're the forgotten position, but then a kicker kicks a game-winning field goal, and it's like, oh, yeah, wait, we have a great kicker. You have exactly. a great catcher. It's such a positional advantage. Absolutely. It's such an underrated position. Yeah, it's not sexy, but you need a good one, both fantasy and reality. That's for sure. And last, but certainly not least, this is a man who is one of the kindest and most genuine people in the industry, a great baseball and football mind that still finds a way to pump out content between working at the Krusty Krab, jellyfishing with Patrick, practicing karate with Sandy, taking care of his pet snail, Gary, and dealing with his cranky neighbor, Squidward. He is the host of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball and Football Podcast and the co-founder of Triple Play Fantasy, along with being a football writer at the 33rd team and a baseball writer here at Fantrax HQ. My good buddy, David Mendelson, rounds out the crew today. Mendy, how are you, bud? Bravo. Bravo. I got to give you a round of applause. Three great <laughs> intros. Absolutely outdid yourself. From one host to another that works a lot of time on doing those intros, man. You crushed it. Super pumped to be on here with you today, my man. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, I really worked. I said that my my intro sheet is like, which usually around a half a page on a on a Word doc. It's now a full page. So I had the I really spent the last like twenty minutes just really perfecting these intros here. As someone that you're a one of the best around at intros as well, so I had to step up my game here for sure. But it's, it's fun to have you gentlemen on. It's gonna be a really fun episode. But before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping. You can find all of us on Twitter. Marty is at Marty underscore Tallman. David is at dmendy 2 Doc is at Triple Play Fantasy. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Let me take a breath here after all those Twitter bios and handles here. If you enjoy our podcast or the Triple Play podcast, please write and review. Those mean a lot. Check out Chris and I's Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both him and I. And, of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network and over at Triple Play including the 2022 draft kit with a ton of fun stuff in there. And lastly, if you're an Android user, the Fantrax app is now available in the Google Play Store. If you already have the progressive web app, you'll need to delete that before installing the new app. But let's get right into this week's episode. But before we do, I'll give you gentlemen the floor here for a minute to talk about uh, all the phenomenal stuff you got going on over at Triple Play Fantasy. Ooh. Awesome. Well, I'll start first. Um, right now I'm working on my ranks. I just finished up the top um, 30 starting pitcher ranks. So that's up on the trip play fantasy website. And I'm working with um, Christian Crespo, who's new on the scene here. He's new at um, uh, triple play fantasy. He just signed up for, he's also on fantasy pros and we're doing our prospect show called the call up where we're breaking down all 30 MLB farm systems. We just finished up the AL East. And once we hang up, I'm going to hop on for the White Sox show. So make sure you're checking that out. It's on the YouTube channel. I'm going to be knocking out my top 300 ranks here shortly. And then draft season. Things are moving quick. Absolutely. Mendy, take it away. Either Mendy. (laughs) Yeah, I'll speak for myself and Doc. And we, I mean, of course, all the baseball content that's coming out right now, like like Marty said, we got the call-up series on the YouTube channel. We got ADP debates. 
that Cheesecake and myself are going to be cranking out, coming out every Thursday. We've got, of course, the baseball show that comes out every Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day we all can record with a guest every single week. So that's always there for you. You can check that out anywhere you get podcasts or on the YouTube channel. And then, of course, like we are with Triple Play, if you want that football content, you want that basketball content, it's year-round for us. It's always all three sports year-round. There's never any break. We've got about 23, 24 people on the team that all combine to put out content, usually two or three videos every single day on the YouTube channel. So please make sure you check it out. It's just Triple Play Fantasy on YouTube, or you can check us out, TripleplayFantasy.com or TripleplayFantasy on Twitter. Gotta love it. A lot of great stuff. You guys, are. I've really been... Um, love to see the the growth of your site. You guys definitely deserve everything you've gotten. So definitely, everybody go out there and check out all the great stuff over at Triple Play Fantasy. Whether you like audio, podcast, video, written content, prospects, dynasty, redraft, whatever, they got you all covered over there. And a little fun fact here before we get going, Mindy, remember when uh, about let's go back about two years ago, a little little under two years ago, there were actually two five tool podcast remember this Monday? Yes. so yes. in the in the inaugural uh baseball pods tourney uh there was two i think we were in the same quadrant of the bracket as well and there was two five tools because I, I, I still have no idea which one of us did it first it doesn't matter anymore but it's funny because and you saw that there was another five tool and then you changed it to triple play which has worked out great for you guys uh it's been a perfect uh, name for your brand and now, obviously, my five tool is gone now too. So we went from having two five tool, you know, podcasts about two years ago. And now we have none. So that's a little fun fact, you know, from back in the day. It they canceled each other out. I know. <laughs> it was because I think we were, if I remember correctly, what was uh, when we made the name and the the tournament came out, we were like, we made it already. Like this is crazy. We're already in the bracket. We just started. And then we looked it up and we're like, and someone gave us a rating, and they said. uh, uh, you know, the three of you, they, were, they listed your guys' names and they were like, they're awesome. Like, I love this podcast. I was like, oh, wait a second. This isn't us. <laughs> and it's, it's still like a first rating on our triple play. Is it baseball. really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, it, it's it's hilarious. So uh, it kind of was a blessing in disguise because it allowed us to put everything under one name, but it was pretty funny. And yeah. it's a great name because, I mean, obviously we both thought of it right around the same time. So it's right. Cool. Exactly. So right around like what February March of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And now there's no five tools anymore because <laughs> my five tool is done. And you guys changed to triple play, and the rest is history. But mm-hmm. all right, let's talk some catchers, everybody. Let's get right into this fun position. Let's start off with you know before we get into any player discussion, let's talk some general positional strategy and overview. You know, Marty, I'll go over to you first. When you look at the crop of 2022 catchers in the player pool, there. What are your initial thoughts overall, and, and how are you approaching this position going into your drafts? Yeah, so number one, we're all just going to start with what kind of league you're in, right? So if it's a whether it's a one catcher or two catcher league, my before this year, I was one of those guys that waited. You know, I didn't have any trouble or any problem in a one catcher league waiting until you know my last five picks to get my first guy, especially in a twelve team league. Um, now, as I get more familiar with the two catcher leagues and everything that I'm seeing this year, I'm starting to actually become a lot more aggressive, really wanting one of those top five picks and then getting my second um, catcher a little bit uh, a little bit later in the draft. But overall, and, and you touched on it before, there is a lot of value, I think, at the, the beginning, the middle and the end tier for catchers. And it's something we haven't seen in a long time. So this is going to be a really good year for everyone to really sit down and do some work and find out, you know, which uh, which clump of catchers make the most sense of you, for you while you're developing and creating your team. Yeah, 
definitely a good point there. Doc, how about you? Yeah, I think Marty brought up a good point. It depends what league you're in, uh, roto versus points or a one catcher, two catcher. I typically wait a little bit, um, but what I've started doing in a two catcher league is for the second one, I'm going to you know look for a certain category. So Mike Zunino was a target I had last year and somebody that provides great power, especially in roto leagues or yeah. Omar Nevez was a balance back candidate I had and he hit um, – 276 or 266 up from 176. So I, I think it's really deep this year. We're going to, we're getting a lot of young catchers that we're going to talk about, you know, with Adley Rutschman and Joey Bart. So, um, you know, those guys aren't going early and, and depending on kind of what happens with the CBA, it'll be interesting to see if their service time is manipulated. Yeah. That, that still kind of remains to be seen how the new CBA will look. Hopefully not. I'm, you know, I've been one that advocates for against all this service time manipulation bull crap that we've had to deal with over the last handful of years. But uh, Mendy, how about you? Yeah, I mean, Doc's a professional teaser. He's already throwing names out there uh, <laughs> without going through all the names. I mean, it, it's very top heavy. Obviously, you get to like the first four or five names as potential difference makers at the position. And then it's kind of just a big clump of guys that have a lot of promise and then guys that you could just, you know, like Doc mentioned, maybe you get a certain one to help you in a certain category or someone that you're like, hey, I need this, this area for fixing my team. I've never been a guy that takes a catcher early, even in two catcher leagues. What I'll do is I'll take somebody kind of in that mid tier, someone like maybe in the, the eight to 12 range, and then I'll get another catcher that's closer to like uh, between maybe like 18 to 22 or something like that. I just think a lot of times where those early catchers go. Unless you get a, a year last year like Sal Perez, uh, where those guys are going, I would just much rather attack other positions because uh, after again, and, and actually I'll, uh, you know what? No, I'll, I'll uh, no, I'm gonna tease this now. I looked this up last night. So if you look at it, catchers two through five last year only had a 35 point difference between them. Catchers six through this is according to Fantasy Pros. Catchers six through twelve only had a 58-point difference between them. So the catcher 6 and the catcher 12 only had 58 points between those two. So it's very clumped after you get past yep. the the Sal Perez at the top. So I think that's just how it is year after year. You're going to get a huge clump of guys, give you a similar value in those ranges. So I'm, I'm never really overpay. Yeah, I'm with you. You look at this year's player pool, and you know on NFBC, there's four catchers going in the top 100. On fan tracks, there's three, which makes sense. All the catcher ADPs will be a bit higher on fan, on NFBC due to their two catcher format. So, and I still can't like I love guys like you know Rio Muto and Smith. Like I've always been you know big fans of theirs, but I can just never buy in at the where they're going in drafts because you look at their their min max range. Like Perez has a min pick of 13. No thanks. Remuto and Smith in the 20s, and obviously their ADP is more like the 50 to 65 range, which in a you know 12 teamer that's going to be around what around six, in a 15 teamer that's around five. I just can't go that high on those guys. I'm looking at other other areas in my draft, whether it be outfielders or pitchers or whatever. So I just can't do it. I found myself more targeting kind of that next tier down, mm -hmm. which has some good young names in it. I'll try to get one from that tier, and if it's two catchers. Now, I have been targeting my second catcher a little bit earlier. I think Doc brought up a great point about targeting a specific category because of that late in your draft in the in the catcher pool. That's kind of all really you can do is there's not really a lot of like guys that excel in multiple spots that are going that late. But you know, guys like Zunino for their power, or you can uh, Omar Narvaez for his his uh, average stuff like that. Definitely a great uh, strategy as well. Yeah, I just can't go super early on these guys, but. Let's talk about those super early guys. You know, there's that top cluster here. We talked about Sal Perez, 
JT Riamuto, Will Smith are kind of like consensus one, two, three, uh, with Perez going at the top. His ADP on NFBC right now is that's through 165 drafts, is 32.7. And on fan tracks, it is 45.1. So top 50 pick, regardless of what you know platform you play on. Are you guys buying that type of ADP? I think we all know the answer to how we just were talking about this position, but he had a great season, like one of the best catcher seasons ever last year. He had 273, 48 home runs, 121 RBIs. Was one of the top, you know, finalists in the AL MVP voting. So, but are you guys buying his 2021 performance? We'll start with uh, we'll go the other way around. Mendy, how about you first? I don't like paying for career years and past production. You're chasing something. I'm not saying Sal Perez can't be the number one catcher again this year. But him hitting as many home runs this year and the production, the amount of difference between him and the number two catcher last year is just insane. I don't expect anything close to that this year, but you're paying for it at that price. So I'll let somebody else go ahead and get him where he's going. I, I don't see myself getting any Sal Perez this year, unfortunately, unless he slides a little bit in drafts. But again, I, I think ultimately where he's going, you're doing yourself a disservice of getting a lot of guys in that range around him that you can really build as good building blocks for your team, especially in one catcher leagues too, where yep. a catcher isn't quite as important. So for me, I'm out on Sal Perez. I wouldn't be shocked if he's the number one catcher on my rankings. You can check out on Fantrax HQ. I have him as the number two catcher this year. So I think he'll still be very good. But again, I'm not paying that price. What do you think he sells that for home runs this year? He had 48 last year. Give, give me a number for 2022. I'm going to say he gets to 36. Okay, that, that's fair. That's fair because even before this past year, obviously it was probably his going to be his best year of his career. You know, the quality of contact metrics have always been very good. The approach has always been you know, really bad or aggressive, I should say. Um, but yeah, he, you know, barrel rate has been above 10% the last three years. Average exit velo well above 91 miles an hour the last three. Hard hit rate above 47% the last three. So, yeah, definitely quality contact is there. I've always liked Sal Perez a lot. But, yeah, 48 home runs, no thing. I think, yeah, mid-30s I think is a very uh, fair spot for him. Doc, how about you? Yeah, uh, kind of what David said. I, I can't get on board with that. Um, he had 48 and 121 last year. But prior to that, he's never had higher than 27 homers and 80 RBIs, which he put up, ironically, in 2017 and 2018. You look, he played 161 games last year, so he missed one game. He's played 150 games once in his career, but other than that, he's usually played in the 120-130 range. And keep in mind, he's been in the AL his entire career, so he's had the DH opportunity there. Um, I do think that he very good chance of being the number one catcher. I think he probably settles around 31 homers, but once again, you're paying for what you think his production will be last year. And I just can't buy in at that price. Like David said, there's a lot of great building blocks you can have, especially in a one catcher league. I'm fine taking later targets. Let me uh, yeah, also, sure. I was going to add, what was it? Was it a shoulder injury that he had in 2020? Uh, Sal Perez that kept him out for most of the season. Wasn't, didn't I'm, he get Tommy John surgery? Yeah, Tommy John surgery. Oh, that's what it was. It was yeah. Tommy John yeah. surgery. And he basically had an entire year off. And we saw the same thing with Buster Posey this past year. He had an entire year off in 2020 and had one of the best seasons of his career. So at year off, you could basically say, hey, maybe he's rejuvenated, but he just played a, a crazy amount of games last year. Like yeah. Doc said, like and, and you know, he kind of looked like he was wearing down a little bit before that. And then he was rejuvenated, came back this year. Is he going to be worn down coming into this year now? So you would expect that maybe that that production can dip back down. 
Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. Another kind of uh, aspect of this, they get MJ Melendez coming up that's mm-hmm. nearly ready. So you could maybe see some more DH to kind of save Sal's body a little bit. Melendez can catch a little bit more. So maybe you see a lot more DH from Perez this year. That remains to be seen. But uh, Marty, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so overall, again, it's going to depend on the league format. Um, so for DCs, I'm fully in. Right now, I'm in the middle of a 12-team, one-catcher league on fan tracks, um, draft champion style. And I drafted Selvi in the fourth round with the 40th pick overall. So for you know, since we can't pick up anyone off the waiver wire, I want to get you know the best production, the most at-bats that I can to just secure it so I don't have to worry about it so much. But on the flip side of that, in like a standard NFBC Roto League, Salvi's going about 32 overall. That's about the second, you know, third round swing. And that's way too rich for my blood. That's just, you're, you're, like the, uh, Menti said, you're paying for last year's production. Um, you know, at that point, I'm trying to solidify as many elite five category contributors. And if I am going to dive into the catch around, it's going to be JT Real Muto. It won't be Salvi. Yeah, no, that, that's very fair. And speaking of Ryu Muto, let's get into him now, along with some Will Smith talk as well. You know, JT, he's been really the, you know, before Sal Perez went bonkers last year, JT was really the kind of gold standard at the position for the last handful of years. Um, and now, and he still had, a, you know, it's funny, he still had a pretty solid year last year. He hit 263, 17 home runs, 13 steals from a catcher, which is ridiculous. Like, I, don't know, I think the last time a catcher had 15 plus steals was, I think, Russell Martin back in like, 2008 2009 which is going back a ways i think it was summers in that rain maybe even earlier than that i can't remember when russell martin had that those couple of really really good years but regardless yeah that speed from the catcher still hitting for you know solid average good pop and it was a little bit down year but he could definitely bounce back and then you got the young up-and-coming guy well, i guess he's 26 not like super young anymore but kind of the young guy in this elite tier where will smith last year 258 average but at 365 obp 25 home runs, 76 RBI, and 71 runs scored uh, while hitting in the middle of the loaded Dodgers lineup. So I guess it's kind of a, a debate here as to who's the next best catcher behind Sal Perez here. J- would you rather have JT, Marty, or would you rather have Will Smith? Definitely Real Muto. So JT for me because of his steals and the fact that the NL should be implementing the DH. And I think he's going to be one of the, um, you know, the, the guy who's boosted up the most because of this. In 2020, in the shortened season, he played DH a ton. So I think that's going to really help secure his speed and power. And touching on uh, Real Muto's year last year, he was the only uh, only catcher to reach double digits in home runs and steals. His sprint speed is still in the 91st percentile. So yes, he is 30 years old, but with the with the DH, it's going to potentially give him the opportunity to only have to catch three, four times a week. DH a few times, and that's going to be able to secure him long-term. And so it's less about Smith. I love what Smith's doing, but he's not going to get you the steals. I think he's hit his ceiling um, as far as what you're going to see from his power and his production. I don't. I think the Dodgers overall are going to take a step back as a team as far as counting stats for him. So real Muto for me. Yeah. Now, with me, I, I do lean – I think I lean Smith a little bit, but if it's it's very close. If, it, if you take away steals, I like guess definitely, uh, definitely uh, Smith. But those steals that Real Muto adds. But can you can we really bank on him? Yeah, you get that sprint speed like you mentioned, ninety first percentile. I don't know. I, it's just hard. I think it's hard or risky to bank on another like double digit steal season from him. But then again, I do think the counting test could bounce back up. He's been hitting right around Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins, and I think Alec Bohm will bounce back. So I think this would be a pretty good Philly lineup, but. Yeah, I think it's really close here, but let's get the uh, the Mendelssohn brothers thought here. Doc, how about you? 
Yeah, so I thought it was going to be unpopular for me to say Will Smith. And I will say that I'll, I'll go JTR if the NL, if the NL does implement a DH. I mean, he yeah. had 13 stolen bases. That's a career high. But how likely is it that he's going to do that again at 31 years old? So I like the power that Smith provides. He's going to be in a better lineup. But also the injuries. I don't think we realized how much JT was dealing with last year. A broken left thumb in spring training, a deep bone bruise at the base of his catching hand, sore uh, right shoulder to end the season. Um, it just kind of uh, left elbow uh, and tricep injury um, uh, in the last couple games. Like his body might be breaking down. And this is what we've seen from catchers sometimes is not only just the hitting, but, you know, think about you're squatting there for nine innings, catching a ball. And that sometimes is going to take its toll on your body. So based on Will Smith's age and the power upside that he has, plus a more potent Dodgers lineup, if I can get him 10 picks at least lower, I think that's great value. Yeah, you definitely have to bring in the ADP into it for sure. And, and yeah, the, when I squat down for nine seconds, I it's hard, I have a hard time getting back up. Like my knees start locking up, and it's like God, nine innings. That's why I never played catcher when I was playing. I could never do it. But um, and I'm only I'm a year older than JT too. So man, yeah, it's definitely can be a wear tear on the knee. That's why I remember watching you know back in the day, uh, Jared Saltalamakia for the Red Sox. He used to do this one thing where he would he'd be squatting down, but he'd have. Uh, whatever, if there's nobody on base and then whatever leg was opposite of the hitter, he'd have that leg just like fully straight out into the other batter's box. I'm like, what? why is he doing that? That's weird. I never saw anybody do that before, Salty. Then I was like, oh, wait a minute. He's stretching out that leg. So it's, he doesn't have both legs kind of bent down. So I was like, that's a smart idea. But yeah, the wear and tear on catchers for sure, especially you know, getting into the 30s like JT is definitely is a factor. Uh, David, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Give me the Fresh Prince, man. Uh, which it's kind of interesting. I originally, when we, when I was looking at this question, I was like, I'm going to go JT. And then I like looked a little bit more into it. I leaned a little bit more towards Will Smith. Will Smith's got a higher exit velocity, higher max EV. He hit 25 home runs last year. Uh, uh, Will Smith did JT real Muto had 17. I know that he hit 25 two years ago, but I do think that somewhat declining 13 stolen bases is definitely appealing. But again, how much can we count on double-digit steals from him again? Will Smith only did have three last year, so it's not like he had a ton, but he's given you a few. He's in a better lineup, just got better quality of contact numbers, and uh, walks more, strikes out only about 20% of the time, Which uh, so he's got you know great eye at the plate. Just everything in his profile outside of stolen bases seemed like Will Smith is the better player, and you can get him after JT Real Muto. So just for those reasons, I like both of these guys, but I think I would take, I would wait to take Will Smith ahead of JT Romuto. Yeah, no, I think pound for pound. I think I wrote this in my Will Smith article last off season, which still has my favorite intro I've ever written for an article intro paragraph, but Will Smith, I think pound for pound might be the best overall hitting catcher in the game, even above Sal Perez. Like you look at all the metrics here. Quality of contact, like like Mandy mentioned, quality of contact has been great. Barrel rate has been over 10% all three seasons so far. Average exit below has been a well above league average. Hard hit rate, same thing. Good approach to the plate. You know, 11.6% walk rate, 20.2 K rate. And that's you know, that matches up with what he did in college and in the minors. He's always been a good approach guy, good power. Like you look at the savant page, it's just littered with pink and red sliders up top in this those percentile rankings. So uh really like Wilson. I think he's one of the highest floor catchers in the game. And hitting in the middle of that, you know, maybe not the middle, but fifth or sixth in that Dodgers lineup. You, you, even if it's down, like Marty mentioned, I still think 
a down, what's a down Dodge lineup? Still like a top 10 overall lineup. So I, I think this still could be a lot of, you know, RBI opportunities for Smith. So yeah, I love, I like Smith. If I was to get one of these top three guys at their ADP, I would probably lean towards Will Smith. Uh, moving on to the kind of the really big buzzy name here uh, for the catcher position in 2022 drafts. That's Dalton Varsho. It's kind of funny. You see a wide range of opinions on Varsho. Some are thinking he's the next coming of you know an elite catcher. Others think he's overrated. Now, last year, 246 average, 11 home runs, six steals in 315 plate appearances. He's always had a pretty solid approach at the plate. Good, you know, good little power speed profile. And the great thing about him is he won't play catcher every day. He'll be mostly out in the outfield for Arizona. So is he worth a top 100-ish pick for you, Mendy? And are you buying into um, Varsho being an elite catching option moving forward here? I think you need to give yourself credit first. What did you call it in the show sheet? What did I call it in the show sheet? What when you what, The title of this bullet point, what did you call it? Oh, trust or bust. Ah, yeah. Very creative. Very creative. I wanted to make sure that people knew behind the <laughs> scenes how you labeled that. Uh, so pick 91 is definitely very lofty. That's around where he's going in the last month of NFBC drafts. He's outfield eligible, though, which, like you mentioned, Eric, should, uh, should be in the lineup every day. He hit 270 with 11 homers or hit over 270 with 11 homers and five steals from July to September. So we saw the flashes of what could be there. Like you mentioned last year, I mean, JT Real Muto was one of the few catchers that can get double-digit steals. Well, here's another one. And at that position to be able to that kind of stolen base advantage, that's why he's the fourth catcher off the board right now. At this point, though, with that lofty draft price, I think you can only pay something like that is if you're really lacking in steals, if you're in a roto league. Like if you're if you don't get a bunch of five category guys early on and you need to find steals from another source, I might push him up a little bit more and take him at that price. But if I'm not hurting for steals, then as a catcher, taking him in the top 100 is is really hard to do. Again, that that's a pretty big price to pay. So, again, it, it, the, the cop-out answer depends on your draft construction. Most times, I'm probably not going to take him at that price. But, again, I, I could see why people are doing it. His max pick isn't even that high. His max pick's 119. So it's not like yeah. he's going like super, super late. Over the last month, he does have a min pick of 46 since uh, right after that's, Christmas. So that's people crazy. are, yeah, people are, <laughs> some people are really, really in on him. So again, at the 46th pick, no. Um, closer to 119 where his max is, I could see it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I totally agree. But the same time, I think if there's any catcher that's going to potentially be the number one fantasy catcher this year, that's not one of the three we already talked about. It's probably Dalton Varsho, and like this production didn't come out of nowhere either. Look in the minor leagues in 259 games, 46 homers, 49 steals, with a 302, 372, 527 slash line, and similar stuff uh, back in college as well. Like he's always been this type of player: high average, good power, good speed. I could see 270, 20, and 10 this year. With you know, Arizona's lineup isn't going to be great, but I don't think it's going to be terrible either. So maybe you can see. 150 combined runs in RBIs. So if he's doing that, I think he's right up there end of the season. It's definitely possible for sure. Doc, what are your thoughts here? Trust or bust with Dalton Marsh show? I was going to say, I'm going to use the the title that you gave us. <laughs> for me, he's a bust. Um, you know, you, you touched on the Arizona lineup. Wouldn't be surprised if they got rid of Cattell Marte and they kind of go full rebuild. They don't really yeah. have any bad contracts outside Bumgarner. 
Um, but I, th- I think the, the two things that are appealing for him is the speed profile and the outfield eligibility. And, you know, that'll probably make him an everyday role. But in the minors, he had 21 steals in 108 games in 2018. But in the 132 MLB games he's played, he's had nine steals. So keep in mind, it's better competition he's playing. And he doesn't walk a lot. Last year, he had a 9% walk rate. It's only been above 10% once in his career, and that's including the minors. So if he's not getting on base, he's not giving you that stolen base upside. And he's not someone that we're thinking. I mean, I think 270 is very generous for an average. I could see him hitting around 250, which would be an improvement from last year and an improvement from when he hit 188 in 2020. So like David said, it's not even like he has a high max pick. You know, if I miss out on him, that's fine. But I I just can't take him that early either. Marty, how about you? So let's say in a scenario where I miss out on Real Muto and there is an overall component to the league I'm in. I do trust Varsho because I need to at that point because I want to be able to get double-digit steals from him. Right now, roster resource slots him in as batting third in the Arizona Diamondbacks lineup, which obviously isn't great. Um, they were tw- they were almost last in steals last year, so don't expect him to be running wild just as a philosophy, uh, team philosophy. They don't really do it. Um, but, yeah, so he's, he's projected to be the third batter in the lineup, and ATC projects him to hit 16 home runs with nine stolen bases, over 400 plate appearances. So his, his sprint uh, speed's in the 84th percentile, so I believe that the, um, that the steals can be there. He's Like you said, he's probably the only guy that's going to get you a 20 and 10, and I do trust him, like I said, if there's an overall component, standard home leagues and everything like that, I think you can kind of shy away. Yeah, and those ATC. TC projections are pretty solid as well. And that's only, you mentioned 400 and uh, was it 413 plate appearances. Yep. If he gets, I think that's a, that's a good power speed pace. If he gets 500, I think, I think he'll exceed that 413. So yeah, we could be looking at 2010, but yeah, definitely one of the more polarizing catchers here early in 2022 drafts. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and get into plenty more intriguing options. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer Aerospace Excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into some young guns here. We got three really intriguing young catchers that are going to be making their having their first full season here in 2022. Kibir Ruiz of the Washington Nationals, formerly of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Adley Rushman, everyone's favorite catching prospect, and Alejandro Kirk of the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, Mendy, I'll start with you. Out of these three, which one are you the highest on for 2022? It's Kyber Ruiz for me for a couple of reasons. With Adley, is it Rutschman or Ruchman? I think it's Ruchman. Okay, I've always I'll... called him Rutschman, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But I think it's Ruch. I think it's Ruchman. Okay, I'm going to have to look into that so I don't butcher, butcher his name here. But um, 
I don't know when he's going to come up. Obviously, they're you know they're hoping he's going to be up there pretty early, but right now we don't know that for sure. Alejandro Kirk is expected to split time with uh, Danny Jansen. Kyber Ruiz has incredible contact skills, and I don't need to tell you that, Eric, because you're a huge prospect guy. I know you know how well he hits the ball and the contact that he has. Doesn't strike out at a lot at all, especially for a catcher, which is pretty incredible. He's going to get a ton, a ton of plate appearances with the Nats as he's he's their guy. He was the centerpiece of the Max Scherzer, Trey Turner trade. He's going to probably bat towards the top end of the lineup with his contact, the skills that he has. Uh, so he's going to get, again, plenty of plate appearances hit towards the top of the order, going to get a, uh, a lot of playing time for that team. The other two have a little bit more questions around them as far as how many plate appearances they'll get or if they split time or when they'll be called up. So I think for me, it's actually pretty easy, and I think it's Kyber Ruiz. Yeah, you know, Kyber Ruiz is one that I was – I always liked uh, when he's coming through the, come, uh, the Dodger system. Like the contact goes have always been there. The approach has always been there. I did at one point question the power, but he, you know, he showed me and and this past year, the power gains he made. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I have him as a top 10 catcher this year. I think he's, you know, there's not really any, you know, chance of him not playing, having the starting role there in Washington. And he's a hit right behind or closely behind Juan Soto. So I think he could drive in a bunch of, you know, 75 plus runs over a full year. Yeah, I really like Hebe Ruiz. He's high floor type of catcher. I said high contact, good power, good approach. Yeah, I think he's definitely a guy worth betting on in the top 10. So yeah, he'd be my favorite out of these guys. Obviously, I think Adley is is better long term. Like Adley could be, you know, the next MVP caliber catcher at this position, but we don't know exactly when he's gonna be up. You know, we have to wait to see where this how the CBA turns out. And Baltimore still might give him a little bit more time in AAA. We'll see. But yeah, for this year, I'm definitely going Ruiz. Kirk could make a case if they trade him. There's been some rumors, you know, whether it be Miami or, or wherever, that Kirk could be on the move, maybe for a pitcher. But for as of now, he's still in Toronto, so we'll have to wait and see there. But I do love – I love all three of these guys. But, yeah, for 2022, I'll take Ruiz as well. Doc, who you got here? Yeah, I don't like agreeing with David this much. It's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm going Ruiz as well. You know, we talked about Adley might, might not start the year. Uh, that Fangraphs doesn't even have Alejandro Kirk starting. They have Danny Jansen starting. So I, I look at Ruiz after the trade. And we've seen this with the Dodgers before because they're always in win-now mode. If you're not producing, even if you're a high-level prospect like Gavin Lux, you have a chance of getting demoted. And so he struck out more times in six games with the Dodgers, five times, than he did in 23 games with the Nationals when he struck out four times. So really cut that K rate down. And I think with the Nationals, they're rebuilding. I, I think there is a little bit more of an approach of, okay, I can just wait and see the pitches now. He ended the year on fire. He hit safely in nine out of 12 games. I think seven of those were uh, multi-hit games as well. And you're, you, like you said, he's hitting behind Soto, who might have the best plate discipline. I mean, Marcus Stroman said he has the the best plate discipline of any player all time. So if there's somebody you can learn from, seems like Soto's the guy. So Ruiz for me easily. Marty, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I hate to clean sweep it, but yeah, definitely Ruiz for me. He's uh, he's my number sixth overall catcher going into 2022. Um, you know, he was considered one of the top catching prospects in baseball. He ranked number 19 overall in MLB's pipeline. So tons of um, you know tons of pedigree there. And once he was traded to the Nationals, I mean, he batted 284, three home runs. He had 15 RBIs over those 89 plate appearances. 
And I think he's going to be, I mean, his outstanding contact skills, he's going to be right in the middle of that lineup, batting as much as possible. Um, Rushman, I think everyone touched on that. We don't know exactly what we're going to get in the first year. Long-term dynasty, you know, he could be the next Posey. And Kurt, for me, I, I don't even believe, yeah, I, I think he will be traded, you know, by the end of the uh, the year. And I think uh, Gabriel Moreno, you know, he could be making uh, an appearance coming up. Um, I was looking up his projections here. And, you know, they have, they have him hitting eight home runs, you know, a couple RBIs. So I definitely I would definitely go with Ruiz, and I would stay away from the other two for 2022. Yeah, there's something in the water up there in Toronto with catching prospects. Like mm-hmm. Danny Jansen, yeah, he's kind of been so-so at the plate offensively so far. But overall, he's a great all-around catcher with the defense he brings. Alejandro Kirk, Gabriel Moreno, who I saw this past year in double-A, phenomenal prospect there as well. So. Yeah, so definitely something in the water up there, but yeah, Reese McGuire too, huh? Reese McGuire too. Reese's pieces. Yeah, <laughs> we we won't talk about what happened a year ago, but that's what I remember it for. But yeah, even he's a solid like MLB caliber backup catcher. So yeah, um, yeah. If Kirk gets traded, I think this could be more interesting of a conversation. But yeah, definitely give me Key Bear for twenty twenty two. So I have him seventh. Uh, so Marty, you said you have him sixth. So you probably have him ahead of. Wilson Contreras, is that yep. right? He's my number okay. seven. Okay, yeah, I have flip flop Contreras at six, and then my top five going up five to one: Grandal, Varsho, Rio Muto, Smith, and Perez. But I could see, I could see Keybear finishing as high as like fourth or fifth of this position. I really mm-hmm. do, especially if he has the type of year that we think he can have with the solid average OBP, our home runs, RBIs. I think he definitely could be a really solid four category guy at this position for a long time. Let's move into a couple others here that have seen their value take a step forward this offseason. Tyler Stevenson in Cincinnati with Tucker Barnhart now in Detroit. Stevenson will get the full-time catcher gig there in Cincinnati. And then out in San Francisco, Joey Barr, as of now, looks like he'll be the starting catcher for San Fran unless they bring in somebody, which they definitely could. But Bart will finally get his shot after the kind of surprising retirement of longtime backstop Buster Posey. Uh, so which one are you guys more intrigued by uh, moving forward here, Tyler Stevenson or Joey Bart? I guess what are your general thoughts on both these guys? Marty, I'll go to you first here. Yeah, so if we're comparing them, it's definitely Tyler Stevenson for me. He's my uh, number ninth ranked catcher as compared to Joey Bart, who's my 14th ranked catcher. So the Cincinnati Reds, I mean, they were super aggressive. I mean, they made the first trade of the offseason when they traded away Barnhart to the Tigers. Now, like you said, Stevenson is the unquestioned starter and Last year, um, I mean, I think people are sleeping on him because so far in 422 plate appearance and appearances, Stevenson has quietly slashed 286, 367, 441 with 12 home runs. So he's going to be hitting at the top of that order. I love the great American ballpark or small park, however you want to say it. Uh, ATC projects him for 14 home runs while batting 270 with a 351 OBP. So for me, it's not even close. I want to see what Joey Bart has, you know, see what the the Giants, um, see what their plan is for him. And uh, so, yeah, Stevenson all the way. Yeah, I think Bart will be a good power source. I think he could be a 20-plus power bat over a a full catcher workload season. But that the contact skills and the approach for him have kind of of gone south over the winter compared to what we saw his Georgia Tech days and even early on in the minor leagues. He's not that big walk rate guy. It's like a 5% walk rate type of profile now. K rates ticked up. So I wonder if he's more like a, you know, 250, 25 or 20 to 25 homer types, which is still good. And, that, and that'll play. I think he's a definitely like a back end. I think 
I have them. Where do I have them? Right near where you have them. I have them 15th overall. Uh, so definitely in that kind of cluster with like Sean Murphy and Zunino, who all have pretty similar profiles. Uh, so I like them both. But yeah, Stevenson, I think, is definitely underrated. Even I underrated him uh, coming up through the minor leagues. I never thought he'd be as good as he is now. But great approach, solid power and contact skills. Definitely think he could be a uh, top 10 catcher this year. Doc, what, what are your thoughts on this duo here? Yeah, well, I, I, I do think it's interesting. And you brought it up. Buster Posey's retired after slashing 304, 394, 99. So, like one of his best seasons of his career. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talked about Sal Perez taking a year off, and that's what Buster Posey did, and he looked rejuvenated. I'm going Tyler Stevenson as well. I think with Joey Bart, it's you're not sure what you're getting. You know, obviously, you're looking at uh, some of the stuff we talked about in the minors, the low walk rate, the high K rate, not the greatest contact skills. But with Tyler Stevenson, his trajectory looks a little bit more promising. Catcher, first base eligible, hit 10 homers last year. We talk about the ballpark as well. And I like the pitching that he's going to face better. I mean, outside the the Brewers rotation, I'm not really scared of many pitchers in the NL Central where I think there is better pitching in the NL West. I know he gets to go to Colorado for some of his games, but, you know, I and, and maybe I'm, I'd, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on this. I think the Giants have done better the last couple of years than what we thought. They've done really good at getting the most out of their players. Yeah. I just see them falling off a cliff at a certain point. And I think with the Reds, you know what you're getting. And with the Giants, it's just a little bit more unpredictable. But, Doc, how are you not scared by a Pittsburgh Pirates rotation led by Jose Quintana? How are you not scared by that? Whoa, whoa. All right, you're right. You're right. I, I'm taking back everything I said negative about Jose Quintana. Mitch Keller with that spin rate, you're right. I don't, is he not, I don't think Mitch Keller is even listed as a starter. <laughs> I don't think he is, actually. Really? Which is... Which which says a lot about Mitch Keller and where mm-hmm. the Pirates value a you know their former top pitching prospect. He can't even crack this. Let's look on Fangraphs, a roster resource on Fangraphs. Their current rotation projected: Jose Quintana, J.T. Brubaker, Zach Thompson, who they got from Miami this offseason, Dylan Peters, woo, and Bryce Wilson, formerly of the Atlanta Braves. That is. Man, that's a stellar rotation. I'll take that over Milwaukee any that's day. That's incredible. Who needs Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, and Ashby, and Eric Lauer? No, no, no. Pittsburgh, baby. That's where it's at. All, all, five, all five of those guys could have ERAs over five this year. It wouldn't surprise me. Like, this I might take fun. some late dart throws on Zach Thompson just because of the strikeout. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. And then I like Ronzi Contreras as well. I think he's going to get into this rotation at some point as well. So he's been a guy I've been targeting and, you know, best balls and, and DCs as well. But yeah. Man, that Pittsburgh rotation is absolutely terrible. Um, where were we? I don't know. I got, I got sidetracked by this the atrocious <laughs> Pittsburgh team here. Uh, Mendy, what are, what are your thoughts on, on this duo here? I look at it like this. Tyler Stevenson is like the Honda Civic. It's 50,000 miles on it. No problems. You're going to drive it. You know it's it's like a, a V4. You're going to be able to be smooth with it. It's fine. It'll get you from A to B. And Joey Bart could be like a Porsche, right? Joey Bart could be a Porsche. He could drive fast. He could look good. He could be this this incredible looking guy uh, in this, you know, if the Giants achieved what we expect them to achieve again this year, he could be a part of that. Or he could be that Porsche that like there's a lot of problems with it. It breaks down. It looks flashy. That's like that prospect pedigree, but just completely just flames out. It doesn't become reliable. And that's how I kind of view him. It's like Tyler Stevenson. I think we, we kind of know what he is like. I have him as my my 10th ranked catcher and I have Joey Bart as my 15th ranked catcher, but Joey Bart, like you said, could have that, you know, 20 to 25 home run ability. He is in a better lineup. He is with a better team. Tyler Stevenson, I mean, if you just look just at his quality of contact, I mean, 
uh, 106.6 max EV, and uh, that, that's pretty bad as far as uh, the average for the major league was 122 last year. Uh, exit velocity of 88, about at league average. Does uh, does not strike out too much, right, under 20% each of the last two seasons, a walk rate of 10%. He's, he's fine. He's fine. You know, 10 homers, 45 RBIs, 286 average last year. He's going to be somebody that if you get the back end of, of, you know, the top 10 of catchers that you know what he is, but I don't think he's going to be a league winner for you. Joey Bart, you get a little bit later, but he's got a lot more uh, volatility in his profile, bigger risk there. So if, if I think it kind of depends on how you like to value catchers. If you want the safer guy, you go with Stevenson. If you want the guy that that could surprise and you get later, then you could get Joey Bart. I love those analogies, David, mainly because I drive a Honda Civic. <laughs> and it has uh, 222,000 miles on it. So, oh, wait. Um, yeah, she's my she's my baby. I've been taking care of her. So, yeah, I, I love color? you breaking, bringing in the uh, the car references here. What color is it? It's dark blue. Oh, I had a, a baby blue 2008 Honda Civic that got, was totaled last year. But it was very reliable. Oh, I, I remember. Yeah, I remember you, you you mentioning your accident last year. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah mine was like the meta- darker metallic blue. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's reliable. It's it's a Tyler oh, it Stevenson is. of cars. It is, and like I just had, you know, I went and got um the went to the dealership the other day or uh, a month or two ago, and got like the all point inspection that they do there, and like everything engine wise was in the green. So like it's it's got another hundred thousand miles in her if I if I keep taking care of it, and I, I like having no car payment as well. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna take. I would love something bigger because my kids are getting older. Obviously, maybe get a midsize type of vehicle next, but. I just I don't want to have another four hundred dollars on my budget every month, you know. It so, stinks. It really stinks. Yeah. I I went through the same thing. I didn't have a car payment, <laughs> and now I do. And uh, it's it's definitely not. And I miss my baby blue, but yeah, it's they're great. They last a long time. Civics are great. Yeah. So w- with that reference, I guess I gotta go Stevenson as well because when he gets compared to the car I drive personally, I definitely yeah I have Stevenson ahead of my rankings as well. I have. Stevenson, actually, I have Stevenson uh, ninth at this position, and also where do I have Bart? And it's fifteenth right there. So yeah, good five spots between those guys as well. But I do like Bart a little bit more than most. I think he'll have a, a solid year as long as he gets that starting gig, and they don't bring anybody else in. He'd be a solid power source at least with an average that won't kill you, like I said, two fifty ish, give or take ten points either way. Uh, moving on here though, let's talk about some guys that you know maybe gets. I'll give one catcher. Whether it could be a high guy, high upper in the rankings, or a lower guy, just one catcher, we are just a hundred percent avoiding like the plague, which I guess is a bad terminology to use as we're in a pandemic right now. But uh, Mendy, we'll go with you first. Who's a catcher you're just absolutely avoiding this year? I don't ever draft Mike Zunino. I never do. I mean, again, he can hit, he can lead the catcher position at home runs, but he had a much more of a discount than he does this year. He's the 15th ranked catcher on NFBC over the last month. Min pick of 165, max pick of 326. That 326 is a little bit better for me, but I can't take him in the top 200 because if he's not hitting home runs or he's really struggling, he's not going to be in the lineup. And there are a lot of guys that go after him that I'm more interested in that I think have more balance in their profiles. He's just a guy I'm never interested in. I never draft, uh, again, just with everything else that comes with him besides if he doesn't go on his home run barrages. Yeah, imagine drafting Mike Zanino, even a, even in a two catcher format, like 165. That's just that's crazy. Power mm-hmm. great, but this is a guy that's hit like 200. This, mm-hmm. I can't get into anybody that hits 200. Sorry, not for me. So I'm with you there on Zanino. Uh, Doc, how about you? Who's the guy you're avoiding at this position? So, 
So it's just for the draft price. And for me, it's Yasmani Grandal, um, an ADP of 103, min of 46, max of 155. Um, talk about durability. He's played 150 games once in his career. He played 93 last year. Always seems to be dealing with some injuries. And I just look at last year as kind of an anomaly at age 32. He had the lowest uh, walk percentage or the highest walk percentage of his career, 23.2. It's 14.9 for his career. His K rate dropped from 29.9% to 21.9%. Career high in hard hit percentage, career high in barrel percentage. It's not going to give you any stolen base upside. Has stolen the last couple of years um, or no steals the last couple of years. So it's more just where he's going. I can't pay that price for. I'm probably going to look at a lot of later targets and catchers. Marty, how about you? Who's the guy you're avoiding? Well, we, we touched on Alejandro Kirk, and that's going to be number one to avoid just because I don't believe the plate appearances are going to be there long term for the full year. But I always have to give a shout out to the guy who I try to avoid every single year and going back to SpongeBob uh, reference, Gary <laughs> the Snail Sanchez. <laughs> no, thanks. The K rates through the roof. We know about you're talking about 200 batting average. That would be great for him. Um, the power upside is always there, but it's possible he strikes out so much that the Yankees just sit him. Yeah, even the Yankees are giving up on Sanchez at this point, which is which is very telling. Like yeah. they're trying everything they can not to play him. Like playing guys like Kyle um, Nishioka ahead mm-hmm. of him, and there's so many other guys. Yeah, Sanchez has fallen out of favor there. Yeah, I, I don't. Even when he was like on top of the world, I still was like, eh, I don't believe this. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love that pick as well. For me, it's more so the, like with uh, with Doc's pick. This is the ADP influenced pick that's Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs he's solid you know he's always been you know last uh, handful of years been you know, always been a top 10 type of caliber catcher but the average has been pretty low the last couple of years 243 in 2020 237 last year even though he did have 21 home runs uh, but the K rate has slowly been creeping up there it's actually risen in each of the last three seasons from 22.2 in 2018 then 24.9 25.3 28.6 last year. Quality of contact has always been pretty solid. So I think you could expect him flirting with 20 home runs again. But that Cubs lineup is going to be not great around him. You know, I love Frank Schwindel, but, you know, they get a lot of guys that love Nico Horner starting, Nick Magical. It's just not the same. It's not the Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Cubs, not even close to it. So I think the, you know, the runs and RBIs will be pretty suppressed there, probably in the 50s, maybe. Maybe he gets a 60 each, but that's about it. I don't see like 70 plus. So I don't, it's, I just don't like him where he's, I think he'll be solid. I think he still be top 10, but just don't like him uh, at his ADP right now, which is on NFBC. ADP is around 113. Min pick of 56. No freaking thank you. Uh, max is 163. I'd be okay closer to that max, like 140, 150, and two catcher formats. I can see that. And then on Fantrax, it's at yeah, hey, Fantrax is one fifty-seven. That's a little better. Obviously, mostly one catcher formats there. So, just don't like him in that top one forty range where he's going um, more often than not. So, I will be avoiding Wilson Contreras. Uh, let's end the show here with some of our you know favorite guys later on. We'll go ADP two hundred plus. Who's who's a favorite target there for you, Marty? Mr. Omar Nevarez, ADP is 255. He's ranked as my 17th overall catcher. Um, if I am staying with my two catcher strategy, um, so I'm getting one of my top six um, catchers, and I'm going to wait until around you know 20th round ish, and then I'm going to dive back in. Omar Nevarez is on that list. A little bit later, later is Carson Kelly, Yadier Molina, and McCann. So 
you know, that's kind of what I want to do with this year is really just come up with four or five catchers or four or five players that are in the same pool as the other ones and then pick the one that's still available at its best price. I like the I like the bias. He's he's so underrated. Beast is always there, solid production. No, not flashy, doesn't stand out anywhere, but always gives you the, some good late round production. So I like that pick a lot. Doc, who are you targeting the most? ADP 200 plus. Oh man, well Marty's took it with Omar Navaez. I mean, he hit 176 in the pandemic shortened season, and we were talking about it with Spore that there was a big focus on him improving his defensive skills, where he kind of switched from the offensive mindset that he was known for. Um, so I love him at that range, 11 homers, 49 RBIs. And Marty hit on it too, James McCann. I think that there was some pressure on him the first year of the big contract he signed with the Mets. What we've seen and, you know, we saw it with Bryce Harper is, you know, the second, third years, the following ones, there's not as much pressure there. Uh, this is a guy that can give you double digit home runs. Average isn't the best in the world, but he's he's flirted with 260, 270 a couple times. And later in the draft, I love that as a late target. Uh, Mendy, who you got? Omar Navaez. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everyone's going Omar Navaez. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I love uh, Elias Diaz hitting in Colorado, starting catcher. Any, give me anybody that's in the Colorado lineup, project to get most of the at-bats at a position, and I'm going to be intrigued. NFBC, he's the 17th ranked catcher over the last month around pick 250. Uh, Carson Kelly, I think, is a name that people don't talk about enough uh, going around pick 270. Yadi Molina, put some respect on this guy's name. It's going to be his final season. This man consistently just gives you a 250, 260, 270-ish average. It's going to be somewhere in that range. Going to give you double-digit home runs, like 40 to 50 RBIs. You know every single year what this guy is going to give you. He's like the best number two catching target you can get because he is just consistent. He's not going to hurt you in that in that spot. So I think he's a great number two catcher to get. And I would be remiss to mention if you didn't, the first name you brought up on top of the show, MJ Melendez, going inside the top 400, round pick 395. He actually led the entire minor leagues in home runs with 41 last yep. year. And like you said, he could be called up early on in the season. If you're in a best ball type of format, a DC or something like that, if, if you get him as like your third catcher and you basically just have him stashed for when he eventually comes up, I mean, I think that's a great target to get that you're not going to have to spend a really ton of draft capital to get. Oh, 100%, because he's going to get in that lineup somehow, some way. Like they tried him out. He played a little third base last year. He's athletic enough to play out from behind the plate. And they're going to get that bat in the lineup some way, somehow. So and maybe not in your standard, like, 12-teamers or 15-teamers. Maybe not go with them there. But, yeah, deeper leagues, your know, best balls, drafting holes, DCs. I've been trying to get Melendez everywhere because that power is legit. Like he's He's got what I call big boy power. Like, this guy's going to be, you know, 25, 30 homer bat over a full season. So, yeah, definitely love Melendez there, too. I am going to go, and I'm glad none of you took this guy. I'm going to go Mitch Garver. I love Mitch Garver. Uh, currently, ADP. Uh, he's right outside top 200, 205 on NFBC, but on fan tracks because of the one catcher format, he's down at 298. He, absolutely, give me all the shares of Mitch Garver. Like, look at on fan tracks ADP, we'll go up from where Garver is. Eric Haas, I'll take Garver over him, I'll take Garver over Vasquez, Murphy, Zunino. Gary Sanchez is the 10th catcher in fan tracks ADP. I don't know how, but I would absolutely take Garver over Sanchez, over Kirk. And then we get up into Ruiz and Stevenson. So I think he's close to that range. He's my number nine catcher uh, this season. And I tweeted this out the other day um, that in 2021, Garver had a higher Woba and WRC plus than Sal Perez and was pretty close to him in ISO and slugging as well. 
He was one of five catchers with an ISO above 230 and a Woba above 350. He had the four being Sal Perez, Will Smith, Yasmani Grandal, and oddly enough, Mike Zunino. But I think he's this year, it looks like he's going to have that starting gig. Jeffers had a very, very poor season last year, hit 199. So I think there's going to be less of a split, more of a kind of typical two-thirds, the one-third catcher split there in Minnesota. You look at his quality of contact metrics are just off the charts. 17.4% barrel rate last year, 92.3 average exit velo. He had a 546x slug, 53.6 hard hit rate. Yeah, the K rate was a bit high, 29.2%. So I'll keep the average down in the 250 to 260 range. He was 256 last year, 256 for his career as well. So probably right in that range going forward. But you know, with the you know 120 or so games, it's going to be a 25 homer bat with solid counting stats as well. That Minnesota lineup's pretty solid all the way around, especially if Buxton can and Donaldson can finally stay healthy. That could be a pretty potent Minnesota lineup as well. So love me some Mitch Garver. But that's going to wrap us up. Triple Play Boys, thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks for having us, man. It's always a blast hanging with my guy, Eric Cross. Always. We always have fun, don't we, Mendy? We do. We do. I just want to go and do a draft right now. Huh? (laughs) I said I just want to go and do a draft right now and take catcher number one overall. Oh, you bad boy. You listen to a word we had to say. You bad boy. (laughs) Doc just ignored everything. He's like, I want Sal Perez at number five. Give me Sal Perez. You yeah, send me Mike Duzino. Set a new <laughs> set a new min pick for all these catchers. Ah, there you go. Dogs you be, just like you go guy. crazy. Why I can see it now. Like, oh, why did some guy in the DC start up with eight catchers his first eight rounds? <laughs> oh, that's just Doc having some fun. Doc's going off the wall there. It's a little unhinged now after this catcher episode. <laughs> I can oh. see it though. Go 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 do that, Doc. See You'll be the catcher guy. Like. You'll be the catcher guy in the fantasy baseball space. That's my niche. There Someone has to be the catcher guy. I don't think we have a catcher we person in the industry. So it used to be Toby when he would always take Real Muto as his first bat, but he doesn't <laughs> do that anymore. Doc, so you, you gotta there's an opening here, Doc. There's an opening for you to be the catcher guy. So go go seize that, Doc. And let me okay. be in all those drafts that you do that. <laughs> for real. <laughs> all right, but that is going to wrap us up. Thanks to the triple play guys for coming on. This was a lot of fun. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Let me get those Twitter handles again. Marty is at Marty underscore Tallman. David is at DMendy02. Doc is the man behind the Trip Play Fantasy account. Chris is at Rotoclegg. I am Eric Cross04. And of course, this show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Check out all of the great stuff happening at Fantrax HQ over on Triple Play. And join us again here in the Toolshed next time as we get into our first base preview with two more great guests. But until then, everyone take care. Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. 
like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.